Hello and welcome to episode 500 of Comeback. I can't really believe that that's a sentence I've just said, but it's true. This is the 500th time an episode has been recorded on Comeback, and I'm very, very grateful for everybody who has taken part so far, and also very proud of how the journey has gone since beginning in January 2021. There's been 500 episodes with a large, large, large variety of guests from Vietnam, Saigon, and all over the world who've all shared their stories on so many different topics from self-development to entrepreneurship to comeback stories, mental health, music, sport, art, philosophy, and much, much, much more. Therefore, I'm so grateful for everyone who gave up their time to come on, to help me with the podcast, to stay in touch, to share their story, to be open, to be vulnerable, and to be everything that you would want in a podcast guest. I'm extremely lucky that all of this has taken place in the last two years, and it's enriched not only my Vietnam journey hugely, but also more broadly my life. And I can say that genuinely, without fear of sounding cringy. It's genuinely been a game changer in terms of understanding people, developing my empathy, cross-communicating, communicating in a more authentic and effective manner and really understanding the basic principles of why do people do what they do and I'm enormously grateful that I've had this opportunity and I've been able to go on this journey and it's something that I'm documenting right now something that I'm really putting down into writing to try and show exactly what I've learned and a blueprint for key principles that will benefit me and others going forward. I've recently turned 25, my 25th birthday in August, and it was a moment of reflection to see where I really want to be when I'm 30, when I'm 35, 40, and beyond that. And a lot of the lessons and a lot of the blueprint, the ideas that guests have given me are going to be some kind of, let's say, manifesto for me to use moving forward. So if you're listening and you've been on this show, thank you very much. Like, I can under... I can really understand your point of view a lot more now and I can't really stress enough how much you've helped me just from the conversation we've had. You've probably helped a lot more people than just me without even realising. So thank you very much and thank you to those who've shared their stories here. Thank you to those who support the podcast, who like it, who subscribe it, who listen, who tell their friends, who share on social media, who get me guests, who speak to the guests, who establish the connections. You will play a part and I'm genuinely really grateful and thank you very, very much for doing so on this podcast, The Comeback Beats the Setback. As a result of this 500th episode, I'm doing a special Q&A where I will either answer questions that have been sent in via my Instagram recently, that is at The Comeback with CK, or I'm going to answer the most commonly asked questions. Now there's a huge variety and running through them just as I wrote them down in a old school pen and paper manner, I'm really... I'm really impressed actually. I'm impressed with the variety of options that are here and also the amount of topics that I'm going to delve into. Now I've not done an enormous amount of preparation while writing them down. So what I'm going to do is just speak from, let's say the heart, to be honest with you, and hopefully it leads in a direction that I feel would be a compelling episode for you. So please stay tuned and thank you very much for tuning in. My first question is, what do I do when I'm out of ideas? And that is a Good question. I think when that happens, I generally take a break. I generally reset and I'll do things like I'll write or I'll watch certain movies that give me inspiration, such as the Dead Poet Society, or I'll watch classic interviews. Let's say David Frost, your Craig Ferguson's, Letterman's, Larry King, people who are really good at their craft in terms of interviewing, even in podcast form. Let's say Joe Rogan, Chris Williamson. 
High performance, Damien Hughes and Jake Humphrey, Stephen Bartlett, Diary of CEO. And I really enjoy seeing the masters at work and seeing if I can take any kind of inspiration from that. That being said, I don't feel like I run out of ideas that much. And the reason is because my, my comeback show, let's say, the ethos is quite broad. The comeback beats the setback. And I almost talk to guests about absolutely everything to the point where I didn't want to call it The Connor Show, even though it would be more, let's say, apt, because I would speak to everyone about everything. And that's literally the main ethos where if I speak to someone and they say, what's your podcast about? I literally say everything, but I had to have some kind of niche with Comeback, hence why I went down that avenue, which I've discussed in previous episodes. But ultimately, when I'm out of ideas, I think I just take a break and reset, and it leads nicely into my next question, which was how do you stay consistent? I've been reading quite a lot recently about the importance of consistency, where if you're hardworking, if you're talented, but you lack the consistency, you'll only get to a certain level. Whilst if you, say, lack the work ethic to a degree, but also lack the talent, yet you still can maintain the consistency, you'll go a long, long way. And I do believe that consistency is the hidden superpower, where it's not the result you'll get in a month or two months or three or four, but suddenly you get this eureka moment where you've really accomplished a lot and it's almost like an avalanche. And I believe my consistency generally stems from enjoyment. And the place that I'm in is a beautiful, wide, buried city in Saigon where you meet so many different expats it's quite difficult to run out of let's say ideas too much and I always have someone I want to talk to about something and often if I interview someone we could have spoken about four or five different things that the conversation never took us to so we can always do reruns and we can always go again and that's happened with several guests and it will happen with several more coming up I mean we've had sequels we've had (laughs) trilogies we've had more and I'm really looking forward to seeing how more of this happens because it's probably one of the best things seeing how I develop as an interviewer and also how the guest does over time. And it comes on to the next question, actually sent in by Annie, shout out Annie Chopra, who's been a huge supporter and a great, great episode guest actually, if you listen to the episode which I will plug below. It's how has your podcasting changed over time? It's an interesting one. I would say at the beginning I was probably slightly more audience focused or I was trying to emulate my podcasting heroes to a degree. For example, in my introductions, I'd almost shout them. If you listen back, I almost cringe at, hello, this is Kumpasige, this is Connor, and this is episode 54. Almost trying to copy Brian Rose from London Real. And I, I wouldn't say copy, I'd say just try and emulate, where I'd try and be a bit more vivacious and bombastic, when that's not really my character. My character's slightly more reserved and slightly more withdrawn. So I probably should have just really gone for it in terms of my perspective, but I guess you only learn from experience. Again, over time, I think I'm more confident in my ability now that I don't have to cover all of the bases that I wanted to from the outset. So I'll have a set of notes next to me before beginning the interview, but I won't necessarily stick to the structure anymore because I know it might not happen and the conversation we have might go down a different route. So I'm willing to, let's say, adapt and change my angle. That's probably been my my main transformation as the podcast has developed. Do you ever slip on a customer service voice like a mask or the flow or the zone? I love this question because I think I do without realizing where I've had several mutual friends um, mention to me 
that I don't sound the same in real life than I do on the podcast. Now, a part of me agrees when I listen back and the way I pronounce certain words, I think it's not really me, but I do think it is just a, let's say a customer service voice type thing where whenever we go into our state of performance, whether you ask an athlete, a musician or anyone, let's say at work, right? in terms of the customer service voice thing, everyone puts on a different persona to a degree where it's still them, but you just kind of slip into a certain mode. And I think it's you know healthy actually, you can't have the same energy for every situation. So I suppose it's probably getting me more primed up for my, let's say, podcasting side of things. So I probably do to a bit, <laughs> do to a bit, some kind of degree, but I don't realize that I'm doing it. So I'm not trying to put on like a comeback voice, but I think it's there, so. Yeah, that's exactly the situation. Do I believe behaviors are inherited or learned? Okay, now we're getting a bit deep. We're getting a bit philosophical, perhaps going into the psychology realm. Do I believe they're inherited or learned? I think a lot of it, and I'm no psychologist, so this is literally just my observation. I think a lot of behaviors, a lot more than we realize, are learned. And we're not, for example, as cursed or as haunted or as strongly identified with certain emotions and behaviors that we need to be. Where, for example, you can say, oh, I'm just an anxious person, or I'm just a person who's bad with time. And I feel like you're just affirming and disqualifying yourself from improvement by constantly reaffirming that statement. I do think there has to be a a different, let's say, scope of the language we use. I think we need to be very careful about how we view ourselves and what we present. And I do think when we have to really have that self-awareness and introspection to know what behaviors we are constantly exhibiting and what is useful and what isn't and whether it can be changed and if so, how do you do that? And I think it's about really getting slightly deeper into the root cause of an issue rather than just say, disqualifying it with the easy method of, oh, I'm just anxious. Like, I think there has to be more introspection. So in answer to your question, I'd say, Behaviors are more learned than inherited, but then you know, I can't really speak from the scientific point of view. So this is certainly a topic I'd be willing to explore more. But from my view, and only my view, I'd say it's probably more learned than we realize. Advice to your first ever podcast guest. Thank you very much, Maria. Um, advice to me starting my first ever podcast. Really, really enjoy the journey and realize that what you're about to learn will also apply in life. And that is that nothing is as big as you think it is, for good and for bad. And if you just let me explain, when I began the podcast, I thought it would be this enormous thing, as in editing it and producing it and putting my name out there would be this monumental task. And yet, once it was done, I realized that that old phrase that you can make a mountain out of a molehill was really, really true. It was just very, very ordinary. I thought, oh, okay, that was, it it was just a very, let's say, it was a wonderful feeling. It was genuinely beautiful, but it was fairly innocuous. Like it wasn't as significant as I thought it was. And I often feel like life events have that feeling about them where I remember say graduations, proms, big birthdays, milestones, anniversaries, always feeling slightly, I'd say slightly flat where you'd realize that it's not as huge as you made out in your mind and expectation can cause unhappiness. I mean, on a trivial example, I don't really savor, when I look at my favorite memories, ones that were supposed to happen, like birthdays, like Christmases. I mean, I 
don't think that many times that my personal expectations lived up to the reality. And I think, you know, the, the phrase on a, another trivial note, that the sponta spontaneous nights out are the best, is probably true. I think it's just really going for it and realizing it's not as big or as bold as you think it is, not as good, not as bad, just roll with it. And I think a neutral emotional baseline is probably pretty important. And I used to kind of slightly look down on people who had, let's say, more neutral, balanced emotional baselines. And when I say this, I mean they wouldn't get too happy or too sad. They just seemed very ordinary at all times. And I used to think, how can you live? But probably the best because if you were like me a few years ago, living life on a roller coaster like a highlight reel, it can get A, exhausting, and B, really, really, really bleak once you get to the low stages. And also, you're always chasing something, and being in that hedonistic mindset is never useful. So I think that's probably what I'd say to myself starting out, is in just actually do it. It's a common theme that comes up, and it makes me realize the genius of Nike where just doing something is often so much better than thinking about it, where suddenly you've got that actual learned experience rather than procrastination or thought process. And I'm just reminding myself that two or three endeavors that I have currently on hold need to really go into that category of just do it. So I'll probably apply the same principles now than I would do to my podcasting self in January 2021 about to begin. So thank you very much. What have I gained from the twists? Uh, that's where people interview me. Um, yeah, that's a great question, actually. I think um, I've been interviewed now several times uh, by guests, uh, including Mike, Nick, Simone, Emily. And these guests have really given me some, a different angle where a lot of people think I might ask the same questions, but no two people come at it from the same perspective. One came more from marketing, one came more from podcasting and business, one came more spiritually, one came more in terms of my personality, one came in terms of my childhood, and I thought, right, everyone has a different angle and approaches it in a different way based on their experiences. And ultimately, they can teach me a lot more. I've been interviewed also several times by former guests like Annie and Milan for their shows, and they've always brought out a different side to me that I wasn't quite aware was there. And they bring it in a certain angle that I liked or was definitely appreciative of. So therefore, ultimately, I'm pretty... You know, I'm pretty comfortable and I, you know, I do enjoy the twists and there'll be more to come and I used to think that me being an interviewee wasn't that interesting but I gained so much from it and I hope the interviewer does as well. So this is definitely something that will continue. How do I stay present and focused during interviews? Okay, I'm currently reading Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, for I think the third time properly in a thorough dissection and especially alongside the Oprah and Eckhart podcast. So this is quite a pertinent pertinent questions come up for me, especially in this current moment. Um, I used to find it quite tricky. I actually do remember going on a couple of dates back in 2020 and, you know, we kept in contact and became friends. And the person in question said that I just never was there. She'd be speaking to me, but I'd be speaking either at her or above her head. And you just thought this person's like a goldfish or a zombie. And it did hit me that I was in my head way too much. And I, even from listening to Eckhart Tolle, I'd be driving on a motorbike and not notice anything because I was too wrapped up in yesterday, tomorrow, six months time, six months ago. And it's only when I really, let's say, turn the blinds, sorry, not turn the blinds, um, close the blinds or l literally, let's say, sorry, it is literally only when I open the blinds 
And then I realized, wow, I've been completely oblivious to a lot of things just because I've been so wrapped up and the present moment is really all we have. Get onto it and you'll avoid a lot of needless suffering and a lot of, let's say, submission to the ego. And as a result of that, I thought, yeah, this is probably going to be a useful skill for podcasting where you have to be really with your guest, as in what they're explaining and how they're going to formulate an argument or some kind of point or message. You have to be really there to try and understand. And for example, if I'm thinking about what I'm having for dinner or who I'm interviewing tomorrow or whether Manchester United would be better signing a striker or midfielder, I'm ultimately losing track of my guest and the audience can tell and also the guest can tell and it works as a distraction for all of us and everyone will be underwhelmed. I actually do remember getting some feedback from a couple of people saying that my responses seemed slightly inauthentic at times and I didn't seem fully present and that was a real eye-opener for me where I thought I need to really be in that presence because the guest will know and the audience knows and you can't fool them so therefore stay present, stay focused. And to do that, I genuinely just have to be interested. And I'm interested in a lot of things and a lot of people. And people who I choose to come on the show, although it's broad and I do have a bit of a everyone has a go approach, I still think I have to have that level of enjoyment and enthusiasm in order to stay present and focused. So that's ultimately my goal. It's still a work in progress in terms of podcasting and in life, but it's something that I'm willing to work on further. What do I do after recording? Um... I'm not really sure how to answer this, but I'd say, you know, I'll stop. I'll say, hey, thank you for coming on. Wish you all the very best for the future. Bye. <laughs> put the, put the, um, stop the recording. And then I guess we usually have this, I'd say it's like a buzz, this eureka moment where both I and the guest will be really happy at what we've just shared, as in we'll have shared a really interesting experience. They'll have told me things that they probably didn't expect. I'll learn things I didn't expect sometimes I share, and we have almost this shared connection. And what's happened several times, and this might be actually my favorite moment, where I can genuinely get in a really happy, resourceful state if I recall these memories, is we'll have a, a dialogue of, that was amazing, let's go for a coffee next week, or let's continue this, let's explore something else. And I'll genuinely really appreciate and re really mean it. And it's one of those, let's say, it's one of those, let's say, really positive moments where you actually mean what you say. Where it happens a lot in England, and I'm sure the rest of the world, of, oh, we must meet sometime, we must get a coffee, we must hang out. But you know it's not going to happen, and it's, or it's going to be very, very difficult to happen. Yet with this, we're genuinely going to meet up, because we've just shared each other's life stories in a way. So we already have cut through a lot of small talk and bullshit, and getting put in the filters down. So ultimately, we're there. We're at a point where it's very calming and very very warm. It's a very warm sensation knowing that we can have this genuine connection after. Not for absolutely everyone, of course. Some, it's literally just an interview and never see them again, and that's absolutely fine. You can't force, let's say, friendships or connections. But if you can develop a friendship and develop like some kind of positive, meaningful, beneficial network as a result, it's also a blessing and a reward of doing this podcast. And so genuinely, yeah, it's probably that buzz. Let's say the post-podcast buzz where occasionally guests will be nervous coming on and then they'll do the interview, we'll have the moment and once they finish they'll think yes and you can almost see that, you can almost see like the serotonin rushing through them and like the buzz, the adrenaline, knowing that they've just crushed it, like they were nervous beforehand, they doubted themselves and now they've smashed it. 
having that feeling is amazing and long may it continue for both me and people coming on so that's an advert if you want to come on <laughs> you hopefully will get that feeling afterwards thanks very much for the question do you plan your podcasts? Um, yes, I do. I do. I research as much as possible, although not over-researching, because then you can procrastinate and have too many ideas from too many different realms on. I do plan, but I don't always stick to the plan. Whereas my first few episodes, I usually try to get through every single point in detail, but also concise, and I realized I was missing out on key points, and I could have really dived in or followed up on some pretty crucial areas and really got some gold moments, but I was too busy trying to, let's say, fill a quota or tick some boxes. So I do plan my podcasts, but I'm willing to be flexible in terms of how they go, because you never know where people are going to go with the conversation, and no two podcasts are the same. I could interview the same person 10 times, and questions and answers would always be different. So I plan, but I have room for spontaneity and flexibility, and I think it really benefits me and also the person on the other end of the table. Biggest mistakes so far? Um, probably that. Probably trying to be a bit too concise at times. Probably trying to be a bit too let's say, a bit too much like my heroes, probably a little bit rushed, probably not the greatest at transitions. I think that's definitely something, it leads to the next question I've just noticed is biggest weakness as an interviewer. It's probably the transitions where I would used to identify myself as bad at small talk. And some example that stands out in my mind, one particular, I met my old dinner lady outside a corner shop back about six years ago when I was back at home in Manchester. And, you know, we started having conversation. How are you? How have you been doing? What are you up to? All that kind of stuff. And then she went, oh, well, you've turned into a lovely young man. Thanks to see, great to see you. And I went, yeah, yeah, thanks. So have you. And I just like beating myself up on the way home. Like, why the fuck did you say that? Like your small talk's just not there. So I always used to say I was really bad at small talk, but going back to my earlier point, you can disqualify yourself quite easily if you do that. So my biggest weakness is probably getting that transition from point A to point B without being so abrupt, probably just tying up a point, giving my view, and making it a more seamless, smooth transition. I've noticed other people be very, very good at this who've interviewed me and really had me thinking. I mean, people like Tuasi at Annie Milan, they've really given me this kind of insight into how to wrap up a segment and switch into the next one with a bit more grace and a bit more ease. It's probably something I can still improve on. I think I certainly have improved from the first 100 to 200 to more, but that's definitely something that I'm still willing to work on. Interviewing Vietnamese versus foreigners. Now, this is a good question, actually, because I, as a teacher, I'm generally used to toning down my language. Um, not to sound like too much of a prat, but I generally use quite long words sometimes. I guess I studied English and journalism, and that was always my passion. So I do kind of enjoy, let's say, I've always been a bit fascinated by words and enjoyed the English language. But for Vietnamese, I really do have to be concise and very specific with my questions. I have to really, this is for example only certain Vietnamese, Vietnamese who will be slightly doubtful of their English and I think yeah I have to be very concise and really speak slowly. Again I generally speak quite quickly so doing that with local Vietnamese is definitely more beneficial for them and I have to bear in mind that they're not only speaking in their second or third language, they're doing a podcast and people who have who are native speakers and fluent in English are very, 
very nervous about coming on a podcast, so complete kudos to them for coming on in their second or third language. It's definitely something I should I should be more aware of actually. I shouldn't be so I shouldn't be so, I suppose wordy, right? I can't think of a better phrase. There was one particular Vietnamese guest and I remember asking her really tough questions, like really hardball, like life purpose, core values, career aspirations, and I thought, your English you you've confessed that you're nervous and not too confident about your English. What am I doing? But she absolutely crushed it and you know ultimately I'm really grateful for that. Um so that's definitely something to work on, interviewing Vietnamese and foreigners and knowing how to adapt differently. Common themes across the board. Just do it. Often a guest I'll say, how did you manage to get this done? And they literally say, well, you just answered it, you just do it, and you don't really worry about the fact that it won't be great initially because no endeavor is, and you'll just learn if you stay consistent. Going back to one of the first questions, that always comes up, just do it. And I'm generally able to spot some kind of patterns where if somebody says to me early on, uh, that they did something because they thought that was the right way because somebody told them to whether it be a colleague, friend, family member, the internet or society I know that, well I say I know I'm pretty sure that later in the conversation they'll admit that that was a regret and most of the time that comes true so when that gets said I think, ah, interesting, okay, noted um, again, when people say they'll prioritize somebody else's view over their own, I know that's going to ultimately cause an issue. And I think there's one that I've really explored in my own life, and it's about the relationship between, let's say, nightlife, partying and socializing, and the concept of fun, where a lot of the times people mention, including myself actually, about going to a new country or a new city for either university, travel or more, and getting smashed initially and just partying, which... You know, I suppose it's fairly common, especially for young people, but then they'll realize this isn't the be all and end all. And I say this as somebody who does enjoy a party. I do enjoy going out and I enjoy the, a lot of the experiences, but I've recognized that a lot of nights out are forgettable and you have to really think, why am I doing this? As in, if the only reason you're going out is because you're bored or is because you've, there's nothing else to do or you want to try and impress someone or you want to go for a next level or reinvent yourself, they're always slightly, it's always slightly, slightly done for negative reasons and it's often going to be something that you regret or you realise isn't as useful or conducive to your happiness as you believed. So I, I, I've noticed that pattern quite a few times and even with myself, I'm noticing that once I stopped partying as much or drastically reduced it, suddenly when I did it, it got a lot more fun and a lot more useful. And I also saw the pros and the cons and managed to put them together in a more balanced way, which 18 to 23 year old me wouldn't have done. So it's also a nice sign of progress. And it's nice to see that theme coming up across the board from people all over the world and at different stages, because it reminds me that a lot of the insights I feel like I gained without the podcast can come true. So I'm, I'm really grateful for those themes that have come up. And I hope that similar patterns emerge because it's something that I can really solidify. Would I ever show myself? Um, I don't sh exactly know what this means. Maybe in terms of video. If so, yes, watch this space. Uh, is this a desired career? Yes, yes it is. Uh, I started journalism at university and there's always been something about the journalistic realm that appealed to me, but I fell out of love with it at university because often if you go as a journalist, you work for a certain news corporation or media outlet and you're trying to get an angle, a headline, a soundbite. 
you're trying to provoke something or manipulate something out of the interviewee whilst a podcast isn't that it's just a long form conversation between two people where you're just genuinely interested in what they have to say why and how they've done certain things so i'd say it is a desired career but i'm very cautious about where i'd go with it and also my my travel journey is also going really well right now and i guess ultimately it is i suppose the goal to get somewhere within this media journalistic realm but we'll see ultimately where it leads me i'm excited anyway i mean you know going back to my earlier point i can make my plans but i'm open for flexibility and spontaneity will you do the podcast everywhere um if you mean everywhere in terms of where i go traveling yes that's the aim because i I love the idea of being in a random Japanese city or a random French village or a Mexican neighborhood and just interviewing business owners or interviewing restauranters or expats or literally anyone who wants to just sit down and share with me their story and especially to have it heard. I just really appreciate that. So that's ultimately my goal and it'd be fascinating as well. Um, It actually brought me to a point there. I did a workshop not too long ago about the what you could do if you could travel everywhere to learn about one topic. And I'd probably travel all over the world to learn about human behavior. And that's probably what I might do. Dawning on me. Anyway, watch this space. Thank you for that question. Uh, Which episodes will teach me the most? Um, It really depends, to be honest. I never answer questions such as favorite guest or favorite episode or wants to watch or key insights because it's hard. Because whatever I say right now will be different to tomorrow and the day after. But it depends on the topic. I think what I might do is I might do a certain set where I'll say five episodes to listen to if you want to learn more about seeing Vietnam. Or five episodes if you want to learn about grief and bereavement. Or five episodes to learn about managing your money better. For example, I think that will be probably more useful so it's a future idea that I will put out there and hopefully follow up on if you've listened and liked that idea please feel free to hold me accountable in that regard what's my pitching strategy I got asked this actually when Mike uh, and both Mike and Emily when they interviewed me how do I get guests I I just ask like genuinely I remember the first time I asked uh, my first ever guest Casey in a bar I just met her we chatted for 10 minutes and I, not even 10 minutes probably, and I said, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, maybe would you be keen? Yes, when? Uh, That was easy. Okay, so just as a test, I started asking other people, and most people said yeah, or oh, I think about that, or oh, that sounds cool, but there was never any, you know, huge no, and I don't think I've ever had an enormous no. Like some people have said not my thing, or uh, not for me, but good luck, or I could recommend you the X or Y instead, or no thanks, but thanks. Like all this kind of stuff. This is sweet. Thanks. <laughs> like that's not a bad rejection. And I don't really think about the concept of rejection because a lot of people say yes. So I kind of focus on them. I guess that's my pitching strategy. Um, quality or quantity. This is probably the biggest dilemma I've had, you know, because if I, I got asked recently by a guest, how do you ensure the quality of the guest? And the answer is I can't really because I'll speak to them beforehand, but I don't know what the guest is going to bring. I can only really, let's say, deliver on my account. So I'm responsible for all of my behavior and everything that I do, but I can't be responsible for how the guest delivers. So all I can do is answer the 
ask the best questions that I can, get the right setting, go down the correct angle, make the guest as comfortable and as warm as possible, and really hope that the podcast comes together. And it challenges me to have a range of people who could either talk all day or who aren't giving me much. Like, I'm more than happy to, let's say, go with their flow and try and test my skills as an interviewer. And if the podcast isn't valuable or isn't, let's say, good enough, then it's completely my fault. And having that responsibility first attitude has been really useful for me. So that's probably what I would say. I did say at the beginning of 2022 that I wanted more quality than quantity this year. And that, I suppose, I think it happened, but there was still a hell of a lot of episodes. So it just depends, really. Um, I think it's a mixture. I, I always think that, of course, it matters if it's good or not. And I would rather it be better. But I, would I do this if... It, if nobody listened or if there was no other reward like 100% it gives me so much joy and so much enthusiasm that I've got to go for it so yeah I think a mixture of quality and quantity but we'll see how it goes who you know or what you know right I love this one who you know or what you know my theory and this again is just my theory I've got no scientific proof for this is that it's what you know which introduces you to who you know so, but you have to put yourself out there. So what you know is important, so that's your skills. Then you'll meet someone you know, who can help you in that regard, and you often do that by providing value for them or networking or providing value for someone they know, etc. And then it gets you in a better position. So I would say networking is hugely, hugely important. And I know friends here who've got jobs from who they knew, but they put themselves into that position. So both are key. I think work on yourself as much as possible. And then, you know, the, the old phrase, the harder you work, the luckier you get, etc. I think, yeah, if you keep knocking, opportunity will come at some point. That's ultimately my thoughts, but I'd be interested in hearing other people's thoughts on this topic. And I might make an Instagram Q&A pretty soon as a result. Do I ever keep in touch with guests? Yes, I do. I do. I've met some really, really good friends, really good uh, people in a personal and professional capacity from doing this podcast. People who've helped me with my fitness, with my meditation practice, with my finances, with my money management, with my spirituality journey, with my time management. They've been musicians, they've been marketers, they've been YouTubers, they've been in so many different forms. And we've met for coffee since, we've met for meals, we've discussed ideas, life. And what I love about it is it's a lot of the time discussing ideas and at worst events rather than people. I've noticed in other settings I've been involved in throughout life, I've been drawn to gossip and it's a topic that I really want to drill home, can be so toxic, of just sat around with people talking about other people and their lives and gossiping, assuming and complaining and that whole thing has never really sat too well with me because ultimately I think it's a waste of time and energy whilst the people I'll interview for the podcast and keep connections with we'll talk about how we can manage our money we'll talk about how we can move to separate countries how to make our videos better how to make our ourselves more interesting how to enjoy things more how to stay present how to stay focused how to manage that inner child we have really interesting things that you don't really get if you're talking about what x said about y and z and whether they like her or him and 
all that bullshit to be honest with you i think keeping in touch with guests who you have shared similar meanings and values and connections can be hugely important and ultimately the podcast was literally just to share stories but if i can get friendships as a result and network with really interesting people and keep connections possibly for life beyond vietnam then it's an absolutely huge welcome added bonus and i think it's probably natural that friendships would come i didn't plan for it but upon realization if you sit with someone and you have a genuine conversation where you share things that are really important to you and you come at it from a place of authenticity and vulnerability then you're naturally at the same level and you can only meet people at the level you're at so if you both come into it from that positive mindset and you get the result you're going to have a hell of a connection and really elevate yourselves to a certain level so i think yeah i think definitely keeping in touch has been huge and i really wish i'd done it more i think it going back to my weaknesses earlier i think a lot of the time i could have kept establishing or kept building the rapport of the connections i already had rather than trying for the next guest and the next guest and the next guest i probably could have built more in that sense but i'm still happy with my network and i can't wait to keep growing it and keep also establishing rapport with people i've already been in contact with that would be beautiful and i hope that continues what do i wish i'd known before i began um probably that it wasn't as big as i thought it was but also how it could be the huge catalyst for personal transformation in terms of making friends but also better friends and getting habits and insights and making better decisions things like that and again when i say better friends i mean friends that are more beneficial for me because when you're doing the podcast you figure out more about who you really are if you ask so many people about themselves you're going to get insight about yourself and once you have self awareness you can then self develop and once you self develop you'll know who to hang around with who not to um, what you should be consuming what you shouldn't be what habits you should build what you should avoid etc so i think i probably would say this will be a huge catalyst for personal development for opening your mind for getting into new windows and new opportunities really go for it and don't leave any stone unturned and you know if i if i if i look at it with some kind i'm always quite self critical but if i try to give myself some credit i you know i think i've put myself there i think i've really you know gone for it with this podcast and i think the 500 episodes has been genuinely me working really hard and really committing to trying to understand how people work and how i work and yeah ultimately i'm probably quite proud of that sense and it's quite rare for me to say that to be honest with you because i'm usually quite critical but no i think that's nice to have that moment um what else do i wish i'd known it's not as hard as you think it is just do it um you do have to work hard but also work smart um i guess probably leading on to the question we have just after about imposter syndrome that we all do have our challenges we all really do have our blind spots and things that bother us and Ultimately if we were in the situations that others have been in then we would be do the exact same thing. I'll use examples of if I was in a broken home growing up, which I luckily wasn't, or if I was in a war-torn country, then I'd probably behave in, you know, slightly in ways that I wouldn't if I was let's say in a more advantageous position. And yeah, I'd say genuinely just have empathy. That's probably been a key in in terms of imposter syndrome, which is the next question, how do I deal with it? Um I don't really get it too much where I I do I just do my best to be honest with you. I sometimes listen to my older episodes and I cringe a bit at 
the quality and how I manage to deliver my point and how I do and don't say things and when I should have asked this question or gone down this route. But in terms of imposter syndrome, I, I think reframing it is key where if you don't ever feel it, and then you're too comfortable and you're really not progressing in the way that you should. And so I think loads of us have it to certain degrees and it's just about managing it and trying to stay controlled and I'm generally pretty satisfied how I've dealt with it but I'm, you know maybe that's a sign I'm not thinking big enough so 2023 will be huge. Dealing with rejection, I've, you know I've already covered that, um, I don't really think about it too much, I actually forget it, yeah. And um, yeah, I guess to be honest with you, unless it's a firm no, I'll, um, yeah it's like sometimes people will say oh maybe you might have to tell me more then I'll tell them more. And I'll go, okay, maybe. And then I'll go, okay. If I, if I hear a maybe, that's a no. But then in six months, I ask again. They say, yeah. So that's probably it. Um, UK versus abroad. Uh, in terms of living, in terms of quality, I think I give the UK a bit of a bad rap on this podcast sometimes. I talk about how it's gloomy and negative and not as much opportunity or diversity. Yet it's probably a really wonderful place to grow up and as we're currently speaking England are in the midst of the World Cup tournament which I'm fairly passionate about shall we say and I think you know from England as a country is really magical and has achieved some incredible things over the years and it's probably a wonderful land of opportunity for many 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 people and being brought up there in terms of like right now I'm in Vietnam and I'm being paid and I'm my skills as a native English speaker are valuable because I grew up in the UK. So I have to really count my lucky stars in that regard. I just think right now moving abroad for me is a lot more beneficial in terms of what I want to achieve, in terms of things that are important to me, in terms of my values and my inspirations. So I'd probably go for the abroad life right now, but we'll see how it goes. It, I still you know, can't believe I'm sat here in December 2022, having not been home since 20. 9th of July 2019 and don't really feel homesick. That's something that I never really expected but it came about and here we are. And alas, it is the end of the episode. Those are all the questions I had and I think there's been quite a nice variety, quite in-depth, there's been a lot of th food for thought for me and hopefully you as well. Thank you very much. Like As I said at the beginning, come back. I didn't know where it was going to go, but I just started. It just went with it and really hoped that my enthusiasm would shine through. And here we are at episode 500, and I feel like we're just getting started. I th if you'd have asked me, actually, towards the beginning, going back to the question that was sent in, what would I tell myself for episode one? I'd say that... <clears throat> excuse me. I'd say that I would be an expert by 500. Yeah, I sit here at 500 nowhere near like nowhere near I still have as much to learn as I did on day one and you know that's the beauty of this whole journey just seeing where we go how we develop and much much more thank you very much if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous 500 please leave a rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or please get in touch with me at the comeback with CK on Instagram you know those links are in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions personally or have a conversation about this I've really enjoyed doing all of these podcasts and genuinely every interview I've done has taught me something that I can use in a use in a positive way in my own life and it's hopefully, well, from what I've heard people telling me, it's had an impact on a lot of people and this has been genuinely one of the best decisions I ever made starting Comeback. Two years later, I feel absolutely delighted that I started it and it might be one day I look back at this as the catalyst for something truly, truly special. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed 
everyone who's supported or helped throughout this journey and I hope to deliver the best podcast possible going forward. Remember, the comeback beats the setback and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you soon. Thank you very much. This has been Connor. Good night.